Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me once again from this palatial VoIP line on the middle of the internet is Brandon Shockney. Brandon, how are you? Hey, Bill. I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm hanging in there. I, uh, when I began working from home, you know, I took home a few different supplies, but one thing I made sure to take is I have a plushie of the This Is Fine dog, and that was like the only... I have a few different things like I keep at my desk to like kind of accessorize it. And that's the, the this is finding dog is the only one I took home with me. That's the most precious treasure you could take. I really, yeah. I mean, no arguments here. I, I have him now sitting up on my uh, windowsill, watching over me, reassuring me. This, this is, is fine. fine. Well, uh, yeah, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on last week to talk about mythic quest with me. Why don't we get into the games we've been playing lately? Because I know you've had uh, a chance to play quite a few. And I guess I just have to ask to officially get us rolling. Hey, Brandon, what you playing? Hey, thanks for asking, Bill. Um, well, one thing I think we both kind of want to talk about, right? Because we both played uh, a demo uh, that came out just a few weeks ago. Uh, but the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo so i'm curious to get your your thoughts on it and i can offer a few of mine because we both uh completed it that that was kind of the the thing i was most looking forward to as of late just because i i do currently have uh, the game pre-ordered so i wanted to get a better sense of what it was going to be like uh, since it comes out uh fairly soon I, I think by the time this this comes out it'll be like a week away right yeah it should be coming down the chute real real soon and mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it before on this podcast that I'm committed. Like, no matter how good or bad the game actually is, I'm going to be there to see it. I have to know. And just, uh, I mean, the game, the demo, that is, fell within those parameters. It was a competent, like, real-time, action-y RPG-type thing. And the story definitely is the story of Final Fantasy VII. Yes, and I I think... uh saying that with all the the good and bad things with the storytelling in Final Fantasy VII. But uh, no, I I think uh, the the things I liked, I mean, it's a beautiful looking game. It looks great. So that, that's probably my my biggest uh, point there is that it, it just feels feels really good. I think in terms of uh, like movement and stuff, that, that feels pretty good. But the, the controls and the actual attacks kind of make me miss, like I, I do miss uh, a bit of the turn-based rpg elements right that square enix is just not interested in doing anymore they're doing a more of like a final fantasy 15 kingdom hearts uh type style uh to the combat and i and i think it it works sort of well i i kind of found it difficult i don't know what you felt but it throws a lot at you in terms of what cloud can do in terms of like the different attacks he has the different magic and like the the like special attacks that he can do i didn't really get a handle on it until halfway through the final boss of the demo is where i started to kind of fall into a groove but even then it was like i was taking a lot of hits I clearly wasn't doing what the game wanted me to do. It took me a little while to like realize what the game uh, wanted me to do in that final boss fight. And then in addition to that, when you get Barrett added on to it, then Barrett controls completely differently from Cloud, right? So you have to like 
now learn like a separate set of attacks and uh, you kind of have to rewire your brain as you as you play as Barrett, and then the game asks you to like regularly switch back and forth between the two. I thought it was a lot um, in terms of that, and I can't imagine adding you know two more party members to that or however many more, and then like trying to I maybe, maybe just one more um, party member, and then like having to constantly flip between the three sounds like a little a little tough to me. I don't know how you felt about the combat. No, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, at first, I was racking up a bunch of potions, and I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty easy. And then uh, when I got to the fight with the scorpion boss at the near the end of the demo, it was like I was down to, like, from 15 down to, like, two or three potions. I was like, oh, geez, I'm having a lot of trouble here. It was, yeah, it was a lot of uh, management of the different characters and switching tactics and stuff. Like, and some of that just flew right over my head, like... Uh, after you fight the scorpion boss on your way back out of the reactor, there are these enemies that are like, you're supposed to counter them and that stuns them and then you can attack. But I didn't realize that. So I was just like trying to hit them and missing a lot. And I didn't really get what I was supposed to be doing differently. Right. It seems like some of the, some of the explanations in terms of how to effectively play the game is kind of glossed over, at least in the demo. Um, so maybe, maybe that's something that will be, uh, ironed out or a little more in depth come the the final product but but yeah I don't know I'm I'm a little bit hesitant about the game I, I want it to be I, you know I want it to be the the classic that everyone uh, is ho- hoping it's going to be right um, but I think between the the combat being a little bit tough and the episodic nature of the story like the the how the games are going to be presented to us I'm a little bit hesitant because but part of me wonders, and I forget if we've talked about this uh, before, Bill, but with this being essentially a part one, right, to who knows how many episodes, I would assume three. Yeah, mm-hmm. three if we're lucky, I think. It might be. It really might be more. Right. And the, the main factor that I would think would be a big game changer is the fact that this one is coming out on the PlayStation 4, but we're supposed to get our next-gen consoles by the end of by holiday of this year which does that mean we're going to have an episode one of a game series on playstation 4 and then part two and part three on the playstation 5 seems a little bit off to me doesn't it to you or do you think it'll they'll move final fantasy remake they'll do like a remake remaster or remake plus or something and put it on the playstation 5 as well it would not surprise me if in 2025 there was like Final Fantasy 7 colon, or sorry, Final Fantasy 7 remake colon, the story so far, and it collected like the first two volumes and had like some extra interviews or something and you bought it from Target for like $39.99. So uh, yeah, I could easily see them moving on to the new platform and then just like porting volume one over there as well later. Which, which it just seems for, for a project as big as this and as important as this, right, that has such it, such a huge fan base, it seems like a weird uh, strategy to getting these games out. Um, or, or the timeline just seems strange to me. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how this first game is received. I, my, my big worry is that we'll all beat it in like 10 hours and then we're like, okay, so now we have to wait what like another 10 years to get part two 
you know? I, 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 I assume it'll be a longer game than that, but um, you don't, you never know. I think it will get done, but it could be a while. And one thing that I had uh, brought to my attention by other podcasts is like, I'm not sure everyone realizes this is not the whole game. This is a part of the game. Titled as such, right? The fact that it's just called Final Fantasy VII Remake, shouldn't it be like Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode One or something like that, right? Where it's made more uh, clear that it's not the full story. I'm worried it's going to end abruptly, that it's going to end and we're all going to be like, oh, that's, wow, okay, that's the end of the first game. All right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a pretty natural breaking off point for the end of the first part, so I'm not worried about that exactly. I'm kind of worried about perhaps the inverse, where they've been going out and saying, like, no, don't worry, we put a lot of stuff in this game, so don't worry about it ending too soon. And I'm like, no, no, just keep it to, like, 15 hours. It's okay. You don't need to add in, like, 20 hours of, like, pointless side quests or whatever. Right. Well, that that's that's my main concern too, right? That it's going to be, oh yeah, you're you're in this one area all the time, but what we did was we just padded out this one area. So now you have like in what was in the original game, a 3-hour segment is now a 15-hour segment. Isn't that what you want? And it's like, no, not really. Uh I want to like progress in the story and progress in the game. So yeah, I, I have a feeling it might it might feel a little padded in places. I mean, there is a really cool story you could tell about the citizens of Midgar and like getting to know them and all that stuff. But if I had to guess, Square would not do that. Like they're they're not going to look for that kind of depth and characterization and like you know the kinds of side quests you might find in like a Bioware game or a CD Projekt Red game. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. It'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see. Uh, I mean, it's going to be, again, coming out so soon, so we'll we'll know soon enough. Well, Brandon, let's talk about one other thing that we both played, which I think instilled a few more positive feelings, and that was the Dark Pictures anthology, Man of Madan. Yes. Uh, now, I'm a big fan of Until Dawn, their first uh, game in this series, uh, right, which is uh, this motion captured uh, like horror interactive movie almost where just make uh, changes or, or, or choices via like quick time events and uh, things that you notice through exploration that affect the outcome of various characters. So whereas Until Dawn was more of a like a, a slasher uh, movie, a horror movie, this is more of a I don't, I don't know what you would call it. More of like a psychological thriller type, ghost type kind of. Uh, not to, not to give anything away, but it, it's got a uh, uh, some of those more elements where it's less like there's a killer after you, and more like there's a bit of a mystery element, and there's spooky things happening around you. So maybe like ship. more suspense rather than horror. Yeah, I mean, the, there, there are some like creepy. Uh, cer- certain moments uh, that are certainly are uh, not that I uh, saw you were you were the one seeing all the scary stuff I, I know I was seeing so much scary stuff um, but yeah no I, I I enjoyed it I mean it's a quick game right I the, but it has high replay value because there are so many different outcomes uh, for for these characters right uh, I mean we in your playthrough with me I slipped up and I let one of our main characters 
die pretty much halfway through the game. <laughs> um, so, you know, that changed the whole course of how everything played out. But I think, it, it, you know, even when you lose a character like that in the game, I think that that sometimes makes it even more compelling, right? Because the stakes feel a lot more real because, um, you know, these characters can can disappear from the the game entirely. So, you know, it, it's it's not like there's a do-over option. You're right, yeah. I mean, uh, in my separate playthrough of the game, we did not lose that character, but it's definitely possible we may still lose one of those people. And uh, having, you know, we, we've finished Man of Madonna, so I went and I looked at, like, some of the possible endings. And, yeah, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, opportunities out there for things to go wrong did we get one of the more positive endings you feel i i feel like overall it turned out pretty okay despite that one big hiccup yeah i would say overall we were on like the upper at least the upper 50 percent of endings because we got everyone off the boat or four out of five people off the boat that uh could have lived and there's like a couple other things that happen that might surprise you as to how they play out and I won't spoil them here for the listener, but I'll tell you off the recording what happens. Oh, yes, please. But yeah, overall, I also enjoyed my time with the game. I, I liked the different uh, dialogue option choices you could do to give the characters different like qualities and stuff. Although I didn't quite track how that played into the game, to be honest. But it seemed neat. And uh, I really am looking forward to the new one. It was funny, like right after the credits rolled on this game... They showed a trailer for the next one they're working on. So I was like, all right, cool, I guess. Yeah, they're like uh, more, they're like smaller games that you complete in a couple hours, really, like like a, uh, an elongated episode of, of television or something. Uh, I, I really, because I know you haven't played it, Bill, but I really recommend Until Dawn because that's, that's definitely a meatier game in terms of content and seeing how your your choices with how you interact with the other players feeds into some later gameplay elements i feel like it does a better job uh, it's just a, a a beefier game overall so if you if you liked what you got in man of madon and don't want to wait for the next one in the anthology i i recommend until dawn and i think it's pretty cheap now i'll keep an eye out yeah i think i would like to check that out as well if I can't get it to it now, maybe I can get to it uh, when it's a little uh, later in the year and a little spookier out. So we'll see. Yes. Halloween. Ooh. Well, Brandon, I have to, uh, you know, say I, I fibbed at the top here because I asked, what are you playing? Not what are we playing? So uh, uh-huh. please allow me to restate the question. Hey, Brandon, what are you playing? Well, thanks for asking, Bill. Um, well, uh, there's a, a few things that I've I've. I've been playing uh, during these crazy quarantined times. Um, one thing I finished was Fire Emblem Three Houses. I finished my Golden Deer playthrough of that, and that was uh, a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed my time with that game. Uh, by the end of it, I was like, "Okay, let's yeah, let's let's do it. Let's let's get to the end here," because I I'm kind of itching to to play something else. That being said, I I, I did really enjoy characters. Um, and I enjoyed how uh, everything kind of turned out. I thought I thought it was uh, there were some fun surprises, and yeah, no, I, I I think it's a it's a really well constructed game. 
and I, I will revisit it again for other playthroughs. I know I will, uh, but I feel like I got to take, it's not something I want to immediately jump back into because I spent a lot of hours on that first playthrough. So, and I know with like a new game plus deal with that, you, you can get through the, the, the story and everything a little bit quicker, but yeah, I think I'm going to hold off on another playthrough of that right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you uh, finished up and the Golden Deer seems like a pretty popular pathway that people have taken. If you'd like to hear about other endings or other plot elements, please listen to episode 225 of So Many Bits, where uh, myself and Cliff Murphy and Alex Richmond, we all did a big spoiler cast covering a lot of different parts of the game. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure I have it in me to go through an entire another playthrough of the game. I think... Mm-hmm. I want to explore the expansion pass because that comes with like a, a side quest that promises to be a little bit shorter where you find the mysterious fourth house of the oh. uh, Garrick Mach Monastery. You know, those missions so far, they've been pretty challenging, really. Uh, I've had like uh, a lot of trouble and they're very long. So that might be like the right length overall of additional Fire Emblem I want to tackle. Yeah, I mean, same here because, uh, yeah, I felt good about the original game in terms of the difficulty i felt like i was really over leveled for a lot of it like i was kind of taking things out a little bit too easily so i'm certainly looking for a bit of a a more of a challenge uh, there and um yeah i'm excited i can finally listen to that spoiler cast now it feels like to me and uh, correct me if i'm wrong bill but it feels like golden deer kind of feels like the main path and of course i'm biased because that's the only one i've played but that feels like the the main pathway for the game right like the good pathway (laughs) for the the game um whereas everyone else seems a little more uh like a darker a darker story i think you're right the the golden deer seem to be like the main uh like protagonist good person pathway and the black eagles are kind of like the dark route where uh, it's you're hanging out with all the villains, pretty much. It's pretty obvious they're evil. Like, I mean, they don't hide it very well. And then, from what I've heard, the Blue Lions, it's kind of like an ancillary story. Like, there's it ties into what everyone else is doing, but it's just not as important. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure it was such a challenge to kind of balance those three storylines and build a game around all of that. But I, I feel like what they did was was really well done. So... Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check out that DLC. Beyond that, uh, one thing I played, uh, I I wanted to play a smaller title, uh, and I've kind of been going crazy on the Nintendo eShop because they have good sales going on literally all the time. Um, so I picked up a game called After Party. Have you heard of that, Bill? I have heard of it. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say it's by the people who made like Oxen Free. I think. Correct. Yes. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's about a. Uh, two friends who are, you know, about to to graduate college, uh, and they are find themselves in hell where uh, they they don't know how they died, but they are they've been best friends forever, so they are figuring it out together, and they're ex- exploring hell uh, and uh, trying to get entrance into. Uh, Satan's party. So Satan has a party um, that he puts on all the time, right? And uh, they are uh, trying to get into the party so they can challenge Satan to a drinking contest 
so that they can uh, win and go back to their lives um, on the surface. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's very funny. Um, the it's it's like a point and click type adventure, um, but. Uh, a lot of there's not huge puzzle elements the the main thing the main component to the game is that uh you have uh these intricate dialogues with uh various demons and people to accomplish uh your tasks and what you can do is um there are bars everywhere so um and all the alcohol is free in hell um and, is it really uh, hell you, then yeah, right. Um, so uh, you can buy um, a drink and there are several uh, drink options and, and all the drinks do different things. So a, a drink might make you more flirty. A drink might make you more of a witty asshole. A drink might make you, you know, talk like a pirate. Um, so there's like all these different drinks and they open up new dialogue options when you talk to characters when you take a swig from your drink and um, as you're talking to someone um a, like a drunk dialogue option will pop up and you can use those to influence the conversations you have with various characters uh main it's it's not a very long game it's super fun the art style is great uh the voice acting is stellar across the board that's probably my favorite thing all the all the voices and everyone uh, the comedic timing is brilliant, and uh, everyone just sounds great. It's it's one of my favorite depictions of hell in pop culture, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, I highly recommend it. It's 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 a it's a great time, and and yeah, it it, it tells a good story. Uh, there's a lot of uh, great themes um, about you know uh, like friendship and about being able to uh, ask for help. And about um, you know the the complacency of or the encouragement of alcohol and alcoholism and it, there's just a lot going on under the surface of the game in addition to it being very funny that I think uh, uh, is is worth uh, people's uh, time. Awesome, yeah, yeah. I, it's definitely one of those games where I'm like, huh, that's neat, and like I I'm glad it's there for the people who can dig into it yeah absolutely and then the the only other thing that i'm I, well there's a couple other things that i'm playing uh, but i'll go through these because i uh quick because i haven't played them too much but uh luigi's mansion 3 is uh currently what i'm uh going through on my switch and that's that that is a lot of fun it, it, I, a game uh, this is my first foray into the luigi's mansion franchise and it's it's uh, uh very very entertaining um it's got all the charm of a mario based title but the gameplay mechanics are very uh varied and interesting and uh exploration is super fun there's a lot of stuff to collect uh luigi is a very fun character to play as and uh i i like the looks of all the ghosts and uh whatnot so yeah no i'm having a, a lot of fun with that uh so that's kind of the main thing i'm playing on my switch and then the main thing i'm playing on my uh ps4 at the moment is doom 2016 Yay. so i've had i've had doom 2016 on my uh, playstation uh for a while and i've just never gotten around to it and with the release of the sequel recently i thought it was finally time to uh, finish that game. So I'm a few chapters, a few hours into that. 
uh, and I'm very much enjoying my time as well. Uh, I use the chainsaw any chance I get um, because of course I have to. Uh, the chainsaw is the best weapon ever. Um, so uh, having a lot of fun with that as well. I don't want to get too deep down the Doom rabbit hole, but yeah, I mean, I think Doom 2016 is just so good. And like the way you talk about the chainsaw, I always thought in the old Doom games, the chainsaw was kind of like a lame weapon. Like, I mean, it looks cool, but it didn't really, uh, it wasn't that effective. And so they like really did something cool to make it like, so this time if you use a chainsaw, you get a bunch of like ammo and health back to reward you for using this gnarly weapon. Right, and it, it's like a like an instant kill weapon, but uh, it's got limited uses. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it yeah. never feels it never feels like you're cheesing the game by using it. It it feels like uh, it's uh, a great like pro and con of like okay, do I use the chainsaw against this enemy or do I want to hold on to it just in case something else uh, comes at me um, that's a little bit tougher here soon. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it. Because the chainsaw ammo or fuel isn't always readily available. So I, I think it does a very good job at balancing that. But yeah, no, very much enjoying. enjoying. Uh, you know, I've been taking a lot of trips to hell lately, I just realized. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, very different versions of that concept. So, uh, you know, we're, we're currently experiencing a little bit of uh, hell on earth with... Um, all this stuff that's going on with the coronavirus. So maybe I'm just in that mindset. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much enjoying both After Party and uh, Doom 2016. But that, that's really all I've, I've been playing at the moment. There's a lot of games. But more importantly, Bill, what have you been playing? Well, uh, I wanted to cover two games I've been playing by myself today. One a little shorter and one a little longer. And the first one is called... Bury Me My Love. This was originally a phone game that it was ported to the Switch, and I, I played it on the Switch. It is about a Middle Eastern married couple trying to reunite, traveling across a number of different countries and like immigrating and emigrating and staying on the run. And the whole game, though, is told through a series of text messages on your phone. So like on uh, when you played this originally on mobile, it would literally be texting you. But here it's like, you know, a, an interface with, you know, a phone setup and stuff like that. So it's a little it's a little more uh, abstract and not as like direct. But it's still I found it to be a very powerful and emotional experience. You know, uh, with this and similarly with like the Emily is Away 2 games, I don't get the urge to like run them through again once I've once I've seen the end of the story I just feel like it's so emotionally draining that I don't want to uh, have to relive that with the possibility of having a bad end again because yeah I mean there's definitely some bad endings in these games I found one in Bury Me My Love and I it, it wouldn't necessarily cheapen it to replay the game I just don't want to I mean, it, it meant a lot, though, to me to, like, f- experience this. And, like, I was tense playing because the, the genius of the setup is, like, that it's text messages. Everyone knows in real life, like, how tense text messages can be where you're waiting for one to arrive. But the stakes here are so incredibly high. Like, even in-game, where it's only taking a few seconds to scroll through the days, you're like, why isn't the person texting me? Why aren't they getting back to me? And, uh, yeah, I, I loved it, but it is... 
a bit of an emotional uh, event. Yes, and, and Bill, I didn't want to st- steal your thunder with this game, but uh, since you had talked to me about it, I had downloaded this on my mobile phone. So I'm currently in the process of playing it, but I'm playing it real time. So I'm getting the text messages from Noir, you know, a, a few hours at a time. So it's it's uh, definitely made for a very engaging experience. And yeah, I, I feel you. I'm I'm very curious where this is where this is all headed. Um, but it's it, yeah, it's a it's wonderfully told, um, and the characters feel very very real. I uh, would heartily recommend it to people out there, even if you don't have a switch. It's on your phone. And so, yeah, I would recommend it. And then uh, the the longer game I've been checking out is Return of the Obra Din, and uh, that's another one that really hit with me. It's a uh, it's a game that came out a couple years ago now. I, I think it came out in 2018, and I'm playing again the the Switch port of the game. It originally was out on like PC. But uh, yeah, I have had a really good time. Are you familiar with this game, Brandon? No, not really. So hang with me on this. You are an okay. insurance adjuster in the old timey times. It's like, uh, I don't know, 17th, 18th century. And you have been sent to uh, do an audit of this ship, the Oberdin, to figure out what happened to everyone and like uh, what damages need to be paid out. The thing that makes the game super interesting and super weird is you have a magical uh, pocket watch and when you are near a deceased person you can use the pocket watch to see the last moments of their life a little bit like uh, phoenix wright spirit of justice but very differently applied here okay yeah no i'm uh, i'm on board so far and like your goal when you are looking at the the way these people uh decease or pass is that you need to figure out how everyone died and if necessary, who killed them and like what was the means of their death because you know, you're know you a real ass insurance adjuster here and you've got to have that all accurately portrayed in your logs before people can get paid out. And it's a lot of like deduction. It's kind of like murder Sudoku where you have to like see someone in one place and like then look in another and like... Uh, yeah, stuff like that. So, like, an example is you can go below decks sometimes when you are uh, seeing how people have passed away. And when you're below decks, you'll find a bunch of hammocks, which are for the lower crew. And one dude might have, like, an arm sticking out of one of the hammocks. He, the rest of him is under a blanket. He's sleeping. But you see his arm. There's a tattoo on his arm. And so you look for that t- tattoo in other scenes to kind of collaborate and like figure out, okay, where was this person? Who is this person? Because, uh, yeah, I, I, this is a good thing and a bad thing. I felt like I needed to build an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of all the different <laughs> facts that come up because the in-game tools weren't sufficient for doing that. But the fact that I would go that far in the first place, I think is a compliment to the game. Yes. That's some real detective behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the game, the story takes a bunch of twists and turns. Like, I don't think this is spoiling too much. The The first body you find is like, there's like, you know, three people and they're shooting at each other. There's like this big gunfight going on and like a big knockdown fight in the, the captain's quarters. And it's that is the, the end of the story. And so like, 
not only are you working on this mystery, but now you have to like unwind everything that led up to that point, you know? I love that whole, you know, play around with time uh, within a game. Yeah, yeah. I, I would uh, I would heartily recommend this game to people who like kind of logical or deduction, like mystery style uh, games. This is a, a strong entry in that category, and it's by the same dude who made uh, Papers, Please. Uh, Papers, Please is another uh, pretty solid game from a few years even further back. And, oh yeah, one last thing about Oberdin, the music is awesome. Lots of really cool, like, brassy orchestral fanfare to, like, go with, like, all the nasty stuff that's going on. Like, when things are uh, going wrong, you hear lots of, like, brassy, like, wah, 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 stuff like that. So, uh, exactly like that, by the way. Exactly in that tone and that voice modulation. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I, I didn't know I had that talent before uh, a couple days ago, honestly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bury Me, My Love, Return of the Oberdin. I'd recommend both. I guess, you know, if you had a choice... You might want to try the PC version of Oberdin. The it's a little awkward using the Switch to play Oberdin, but maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe you'll be fine. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's everything, Brandon. That's all the games that I've been playing. So we can bring this episode of So Many Bits to a close. If you want people to find you anywhere, Brandon, either in person or online, where can they find you? Well, thanks again, Bill, for having me. People can find me on Twitter at B double E shock. As for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, where so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Recently played a bunch of games with Brandon, played uh, Man of Dawn, played A Way Out, and most recently played some Castle Crashers Remastered. And woohoo. If, oh, woohoo indeed. Woohoo indeed. <laughs> and if you like a bunch of other great nerdy podcasts, head over to nerdalogs.com. So Many Bits is hosted there alongside a bunch of them. And last but not least, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer. I mean, at this point, really, you owe it to yourself to have a great summer. Yeah, please. <laughs>